And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Psalm 78, verse 41. We're in a series called Taking the Limits Off God. And I want to talk to you again about overcoming failure. This is a part two. We talked about it a week before last, but I want to revisit this subject, overcoming the fear of failure. Psalm 78, verse 41. Let's read this aloud and loudly. Come on, everybody, use your best voice. Here we go. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Do it one more time. This time, concentrate and see it. Come on, speak it from your heart. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Israel. You see, in Numbers chapter 13, it was fear that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. It was fear that kept the children of Israel from doing what God wanted to do in their lives. And it's important that you and I determine that by the grace of God, I am not going to allow fear, fear of man, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of of, of things not working out, fear of things going bump in the dark, whatever is I'm not going to allow fear of any kind to direct or to motivate or to influence my life. You know, I once had a a friend, this is probably seven or eight years ago, he called Kathy and I, and he says, you know, God has led me to plant a brand new congregation. And I said, well, congratulations. He said, well, I know you've done this, and so I'd like to come by and talk to you, have a cup of coffee, and I've got some questions I want to ask you. Well, he came, and we had the cup of coffee, and he had like four pages of questions that he wanted to ask us. And, And towards the end of his questionings, He asked this, he says, if you were going to plant a new congregation all over again, what would you do differently? And I looked at him and smiled. I said, well, you know, um, I was 34 years of age when I planted, when we planted North Shore Christian Church up in Illinois, up in Chicago. And I said, I'm a far different person today than I am than I was back then I said I know some things today that I didn't know back then but I'll tell you this Kathy and I gave it our all you know the Bible says whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might and I said we work day and night we sacrifice we put our retirement funds into that church to make it work we were did everything we could to plant build and to grow that new congregation and you know we didn't have all the resources we would have liked to have had we couldn't hire all the personnel that we that we would like to have but we did the best that we could with what we God and everybody look at me you know one day when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ the Lord's going to want to know have you done the best you could with what you had he's not going to want to listen to any any excuses any reasons things didn't work out he just wants to know did you do the best you could with what you had and, and then he he asked me an unusual question I thought he says well were you trying to build the perfect church And I smiled again and I said, well, you know, even if we were, it wouldn't have worked because we're not perfect. 
And, 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 and it wouldn't have been perfect once we got it off the ground. And, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes. There are a whole lot of things I'd like to go back and do over again. But I can't do that. I, all I can do is go forward. He, he, here's the deal. See, sometimes we're such perfectionists. We're such perfectionists that we're afraid of making mistakes. And we end up not doing anything. I think that's the biggest mistake in the world. There are some people that won't invest their money because they're afraid they might lose it. Well, but you might make something too. That's the reason there's this thing called diversified investing. You know, um, it's kind of like a little kid learning to ride a bike. How many of you learned to ride a bike as a kid? Okay, you can relate to this story. You know, how many of you just from the very first time you jumped on that bike without training wheels, you were able to ride it? I mean, you just you just took off. Maybe that happens to for one or two. But most of us, we, we ride that bicycle and we fall and we crash and we scrape up our knees, right? Most of us, I mean, our daughter Kristen, when she was four or five, she knocked her front tooth out learning to ride her bike. But you know what? Having knocked that tooth out, once the trauma of that tooth coming out was over, that didn't keep her off that bicycle, I noticed. She was still getting on it. And I finally said, Kristen, let me give you some advice. Ride it on the grass until you learn to do it on two wheels. And you know what? Before long, she was riding on two wheels and riding everywhere. And and that's the way it is. You know, when you're fearful of making a mistake, and it often means that you're not secure in who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. And God doesn't want you to be fearful about making decisions. See, when your identity and your worth is tied up in what you do rather than who you are, when your identity and worth is tied up in what you have rather than who you are, then something's gone wrong. Because Jesus never taught on the do attitudes or the have attitudes. He taught on the be attitudes. And when Jesus first started his ministry, one of his first messages was on the be attitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. He says, these are the attitudes that I want to see in my children. And if I don't see these attitudes in your life then something's not working right and they were the b attitudes you know when we first moved up to to illinois to start this new church we were excited and our children were small and i'd go to bed at night feeling good but i'd wake up many nights at two and three and four o'clock in the morning and these these horrendous fears it was like a demonic spirit of fear would be whispering to my heart saying this isn't going to work you're not going to be able to provide for your wife and for your three daughters nothing is going to work out and i'd get up and i'd begin to pace the floor of our rental house And the old devil just saying, this is going to go wrong and that's going to go wrong. And, you know, it was during that time that I learned to take my Bible and I learned to turn to Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. And I began saying, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. How many of you know, sometimes you may not feel God's power, but that doesn't mean that God's power is not at work inside you. Because we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. 
God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Then I turn over to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, which says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Or some translations say fear involves punishment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. And I would say you file afflicting, tormenting spirit of fear. You file afflicting, tormenting demonic spirits in the name of Jesus I speak to you and I speak to my own emotions and I say that perfect love cast out fear and I receive by faith God's perfect love you know sometimes you've got to say that when you don't feel God's love Sometimes you've got to take a stand of faith when you don't sense the anointing. You don't have goosebumps running up and down your spine. You know, you're just living in the nasty now and now, and you'd rather be asleep, but you find yourself pacing the floor, and you just got to arise and say, you know what, perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He who fears has not been perfected in love. Not only that, but I, I begin praying Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Which says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy, God. I mean, I mean, I want you to, I want you to see this. I want you to see a, a seven or eight year old child who's frightened, who, who, who gets up in the lap of her or his father and is in the embrace of that daddy. And he says, Oh, Daddy, you're so wonderful. That's the imagery there. He says, we've not received the spirit of bondage again to, again to fear. He says that when you walk in fear and anxiety and worry and nervousness, you're actually in bondage. That's not a bondage that God brings into your life. He says, for you to not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption. Everybody say adoption. Hallelujah. I'm glad that I've been adopted into the family of God by the shed blood of Christ. I deserve death and hell. I deserve eternity separated from God. But God had mercy on me. Hallelujah. And by His grace, I've been adopted. You know, last summer, our niece and her husband adopted a little baby boy. His name is Sylvan. Sylvan by the way, has red hair. Guess what color hair his adoptive father has? He too has red hair. And there's nothing that Caroline and Michael won't do for little baby Sylvan. I've seen them. They take off work. They, they take, they take vacation days so they can take care of Sylvan. They're always doing everything they do now revolves around little baby Sylvan because they've adopted this boy and this is their boy. And I'm telling you, God has adopted you and he's got your picture on his refrigerator and he loves you and he accepts you and he forgives you and your name is written on his heart. Hallelujah. And he knows the plans he's got for you, plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope somebody say hallelujah glory to god well as i was pacing the floor in those early morning hours i'd also turn to philippians chapter 4 verse 19 
Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all of it. Actually says, all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm so used to praying that in the first person. I actually put it in the first person on this slide. So, But I, I just say, God, I thank you because you're taking care of me. I thank you, Lord. It wasn't my idea to come up here and plant a church. It wasn't my idea to live in Chicago. In fact, I never wanted to live in Chicago because every time I flew in through Chicago, I'd get lost in O'Hare Airport. I didn't want to live up there. I've been up there one winter and I never knew that when a snowstorm came that the snow would stick to the signs on the on the interstate. And so you couldn't even read the signage to tell you this is the exit you give off, get off on. Man, I had some horrible experiences up there. And, you know, lo and behold, God calls us to go up there. You say, well, that's the reason I, I, I don't know if I really want God's will, because he might just ask me to do something I don't want to do. Let me say this to you. If God calls you to Chicago, or if he calls you to Africa, or he calls you in Indonesia, or he calls you wherever, you will love it. You will fall in love with it. The Bible says, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And that doesn't mean that he's just going to give you everything that your mind thinks about. But what it means is he will change the desires of your heart. He will let you, you'll start falling in love with the things that he loves and you'll start finding nothing could be finer amen my wife says nothing could be finer than to be in carolina in the morning but nothing could be better amen i begin to i begin to 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 speak and to confess and declare second corinthians 8 verse 9 for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich the old devil's lying to me the old devil's whispering in my ear nothing's going to work out you're not going to be able to provide food and clothing and shelter for your wife and kids nothing's going to work out you're going to be a failure how many of you know the devil's a liar and the father of lies hallelujah i love this verse for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ god's grace is god doing that for you and me which we could never do for ourselves and we could never afford it's unmerited favor for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes for my sake for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich i've had people say well that just refers to spiritual things no that's not really what if you study study the greek that's not really what it's saying here it says that you through his poverty might become rich it doesn't mean that you and i are going to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous but what it does mean that word rich means a full supply it means a bountiful harvest a full supply glory to god and then finally this verse of scripture is just burned in my heart. First Thessalonians 5.24. I would pace the floor in the mid- early morning hours of the, of the day. And I'd say, Lord, faithful. Faithful are you, God. Because you're the one that called me. I didn't call myself to be a pastor. And I didn't call myself to come up here and plant this church. But you called me. I'm going to tell you something. I pray this a lot as a pastor of Evangel. God, I didn't call myself to be the pastor of Evangel. But God, you called me. And the Bible says that you're faithful. And God, you see, we got an issue here that we need some answers for. God, we've got a challenge in front of us. And I thank you that faithful is he that has called me who will also bring it to pass. I want you to say that. Come on. Faithful. 
faithful. Faithful is he that has called me. Come on, say it. Faithful is he that has called me who will also bring it to pass. Come on. Faithful is he that has called me who will also bring it to pass. Say it again. Faithful is he that has called me who will also bring it to pass. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And coming out of all that, I just, I learned a really, really important lesson. And that's that I've got to find my identity. I've got to find my worth. I've got to find my value. I've got to find my esteem in the Lord Jesus Christ and in His finished work at Calvary. And I've got to be secure in Christ and not try to be secure because there's so much in this bank account or because some good things are happening over here or wonderful things are happening over there. God wants you and I to find our security in Christ. When you know who you are, you can stand up against external pressures that come in life. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. And here's what the, the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy in our lives. And the devil literally wants you and I to implode. He wants, he want, he wants us to, to be crushed by life's pressures and circumstances. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It says that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you know that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that means you're not trying to get it because you've already got it. Try over here. When you know that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, you're not trying to get it. You've already got it. Let me illustrate it like this. Here's, you know, everybody, I believe, should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God says, I want to pour my, my spirit upon all flesh. Okay? I have met Christians, sincere Christians, who have prayed for many years, Oh God, Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Oh God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Oh God, I know you're busy. I know you're running the universe. But if, if it's not too much trouble, would you fill, please fill me with the Holy Spirit. I've seen some people pray, Lord, you said in the Old Testament that there'd be the former rains and the latter rains. God, I want the latter rain. I want the latter rain. I'll go, oh God, please, please, please give me the latter rain. But on the day of Pentecost, Jesus, who had sat down at the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. 120 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Peter preached and said this. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. He didn't say, this will be that. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it, it shall come to pass in the last days, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is on this earth. He has never been called back. Therefore, I don't have to say, please fill me. Here's what I do have to pray. Lord, I receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, I receive the fullness of who you are and what you've got for me. Sometimes we get sick and we say, oh God, would you please heal me? Oh God, please, 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 please heal me. 
Jesus has already paid the price for your sickness. Jesus is not going to go back to the cross again. He's already suffered 39 stripes. So I've got to say, Lord, I receive my healing. You know, I've suffered this week from with a sinus infection, and I felt pretty lousy a couple of days. But here's my prayer. Lord, I receive healing. Healing is in the atonement. I receive in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. See, we just live in a day where, where there's all kinds of pressures coming on our lives. All kinds of pressures. How many of you remember the, 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 the science experiment that maybe, maybe your grade school teacher did or middle school or maybe it was high school for some of you, but where, where they actually took up maybe a Coke can and they, uh, they, they emptied out the Coke can and put a little bit of water in it and put it over, over a, uh, what do you call that? A buntane? What do you call those? Well, the butane's a cigarette lighter, but it, Bunsen burner. Yeah. They put it over a Bunsen burner. Anyway, they made it hot, right? They boiled that water and then it, it begins, a vapor starts coming out. And then they quickly put it in something cold. Do you remember what happens? It crushes that can, and it crushes the can because all of the air, when you heat up those molecules, and, and, and that va- the vapor takes all the air out, and it creates a vacuum inside the can. Let, let me just show you. Let me show you what I, I really think. This is what the devil tries to do to, to you and me. We've got a video we're going to show you real quick here. There's no audio in this. He's, he's, he's lighting the, the flame. Then he takes a 55-gallon barrel, heats it up, and then he caps it real quick. Okay, so it's boiling on the inside. He puts it in some ice water, and look what happens. And they'll pick it up in just a second, and you'll be able to see that barrel from the side. I mean, what happened is that, is that there was a vacuum created inside that barrel because of of the the vapors because of the the boiling water and it created this vacuum now folks here's what happens fear creates a vacuum inside you and me anxiety creates a vacuum inside you and me worry can create a vacuum inside you and me and see the devil wants to put so much pressure on you that you have a nervous breakdown the devil will try to put so much pressure on you that you just can't stand it anymore there are a whole lot of people that get involved in pornography that get involved in extramarital affairs they get involved in drugs they get involved in alcohol they get involved in abusive lifestyles because they're looking for an out because they say i just can't take this pressure anymore i just can't deal with this anymore i need something there's some people that that do better than 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 others some people just go sit in front of the television and say i can't stand it anymore i'm just gonna be a zombie right here because the pressure's too great again what happens with is when you heat up that water in that can in that barrel in that crate When you heat it up, it causes the vapor to come to the top. 
And when you, you hear it boiling and you see this, the vapor coming out, it is actually pulling the oxygen. It's pulling the air out of that can. And then when you cap it real, 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 real quick and then you put it in something cold, then you see the implosion that takes place. Let's look at this next video. It's, 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 uh, got some sound to it. Five gallon drum. Hey. Trustee Jeff here had Hi, a Jeff. gallon of water nice in there. You. Your hands very go. warm. <laughs> and, and so now we're boiling it off. So you see the vapor here? Sure we pushed enough. all the air out. Now, Jeff, hold on to it so they can see. This is a hard drum. <laughs> Have we right? stopped traffic at Spirit right. Logan? Right. Or are we all right, Jeff, you ready? Here we go. I'm going to turn this off. So we turn off the fire like this. Right. He's going to cap it off so none of the air can get in. All right. And so he's just going to work on twisting it So the idea it is for it to collapse just as our pop can. That's right. So now the air is gone. Now we just have to cool it down fast. Ready? So there he goes. So watch. I'm going to take this end. He's got that end. And now we put it in here. Oh! Hey, now watch this, Mark. And, you hear oh, it? Oh, here it goes. Look at hear that. You hear it? Oh, look at this. Look, look at that. that. Just oh. like the soda can. Do you look at that? That is just... Oh, you hear it talking? Oh, Listen oh, to it. Listen. It's even whining as it Listen, collapses. It is not happy right now. It's like boiling a lobster. <laughs> look at it. That is Listen, a Do you hear it still working? Oh, that's that's good. steel yeah. being compressed because the air... Yeah. So you get the idea. You see, you see how this vacuum inside causes this implosion. Dear ones, when you and I entertain fearful thoughts... When we entertain worst case scenarios, you know, I've had people who have gone to the doctor and, and the doctor will say, well, you're not doing so good and this may not be so good in your life. And I've had them sit in my office and say, pastor, you know, the doctor just told me that this is not going well. And so pastor, I, I suspect this is going to be the end for me. And, and they'll describe their funeral. They can describe how, how the end of life's gonna be for them. And they're, they're thinking, they, they, anyway, they're just, they're filled with all these thoughts of dread and of terror. And see, the, the mind's an amazing thing. It will meditate on, it'll think on what you feed it. Okay? And the devil, see, he attacks like a roaring lion. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says, there's no temptation that has come on you except that which is common to man. In other words, the things that you go through, the things that I go through, everybody else goes through. They may be a little different, but we all go through them. No temptation has overcome you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He is faithful and he will provide a way of escape. This morning, you may be thinking, if, if, if the thing that I'm going through is just so terrible, Pastor, if you really knew it, you know, you'd just sit down and cry with me, and maybe I would, but I want to remind you that the Bible says that God makes a way of escape that we may be able to bear up, and God always makes a way of escape. The devil doesn't want you to have a way of escape. The devil wants the pressures and the difficulties and the stressors in your life to crush you just like that can is being crushed. Hallelujah. But sometimes we just got to remember, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Is Christ in me the hope 
of glory. Yeah, there's pressure coming from without, but there's not a vacuum within because I am filled with the Christ who is in me, who is the hope of glory. Yeah, there's pressure without, but God is at work in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he who started a good work in me is going to bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Man, when you gripe and you complain and you make the worst of every situation, did you know you're making the Jesus inside you small? Come on now. When you talk about how bad things are, the Christ inside you wants to stand up. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. You say, but pastor, things are bad today. I mean, just look what's happened politically. Just look what's happened in our nation. Well, things are pretty bad for Paul. He'd been arrested by Nero. He was on death row. He's in jail and he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, folks, there's an abiding relationship. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done. Glory to God. There's a strengthening that'll come. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. I'm telling you, there's a power. There's a power that's at work. And his name, his first name is Holy. And his last name is Spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And when you start forgetting that the greater one lives inside you, you know what? There's a vacuum that'll try to, try to come up in your life. But when you remember, hey, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, huh, you're going to have the strength to withstand every evil work that comes against you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, you doing okay? You feeling all right? Okay. Besides embarrassing you, I'm. Uh, <laughs> no, you had your, you had your, you had your, 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 your head was down like this. I thought maybe you're not feeling good. Yeah, you're, you're doing good. Okay. <laughs> Nobody do like this. <laughs> Glory to God. I've got a bunch more up there in my notes, but I don't think I'm supposed to preach this today. I, I think, you know. Many may be the righteous, many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. All. There's a wonderful, I don't know if you've ever done a study of that word all. 
in the Greek and Hebrew, but it means all. <laughs> Many may be the afflictions. There may be afflictions. Bible never says that, you know, come to me and I'll make your life a bowl of jello. Jesus never said that. Or a bowl of cherries. So there's sometimes there's afflictions. But you know what? God will take those afflictions and make them work together for our good. You know? In fact, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you, you guys probably, y'all were probably much more mature when you first got married. But, but it, it took me, it took me getting married to realize how selfish I was. You know? It, uh, I, I never knew. You know, it was simple when you live by, your, by yourself, right? Because you just have yourself to think about, right? Suddenly you take a wife and you take a woman and suddenly you've got a whole lot more to think about. Not only did I lose the one bathroom we had in the house, but, but I had to think about somebody else. And then I never knew how selfish I was till we had our first child, till Terry came along. And then I, I was still selfish. And then the second child came. I thought, oh, there's still selfishness in me. And then the third, and, and you know, because because there's less and less time for you. And yet God uses everything we go through to make us more like him if we'll respond with faith. See, what God's looking for in life, he's looking to see if you've got a response of faith in him. You know, I'm I believing God for some really big things for this congregation, for you. I'm believing, in fact, if I told you all the things I'm believing God for, it might scare you. And, you know, and, and some of those things may or may not come to pass while I'm on this earth. But I'll tell you what, even if they don't come to pass, I think God is pleased when we stretch our faith and believe him for big things. Because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Sometimes, sometimes we just have to do some things afraid. You know? Just do them afraid. Hallelujah. 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 I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
E kamala shidi o kamalayata kapara shidi o kapara shidi o kapara shidi o kapara siyam. O shana malayidi o kapara shidi o kapara shidi o kapara shana manasiyam. I don't believe I'm giving a message to be interpreted. I just think it's just my private prayer language. Jesus. 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 Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just obey the Lord. Just obey the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just obey the Holy Spirit. I appreciate appreciate these two brothers obeying God.
You sing about how wonderful my name is. Yes, my name is great and greatest. My name is Jehovah Rotha, your healer this day. My name is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I am the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God. I am the one who is more than enough. So call upon my name. In the dark hour, call upon my name. In the dark call upon my name. I will be there. Have not I said I am the one that will be closer than any brother? So call upon my name. My name is great and greater to the praise. Hallelujah. Let's just do that. Let's just call on the name of the Lord. Lord, we just call on the name of the Lord. You are Jehovah Rapha. Lord, you are the God who heals us. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. We call on your name. We call on your name in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just obey the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we've had a tongue and an interpretation, and Drew, thank you for, for being bold there, my friend. Thank you. Who brought that interpretation? I couldn't tell. Just wave your hand. Just, oh, over here. Okay. Thank you. And then we had a prophecy from Brother Norm. We read about this in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13 and 14. Amen. How many of you have ever heard the word, the name of D.L. Moody? Just let me, most of you have. Dwight L. Moody was born in Northfield, Massachusetts. Dwight L. Moody's dad passed away when he was four years old, and he, um, he didn't get to go to school much because he had to help with a family farm. His family was raised Unitarian. Unitarians don't believe in Christ the Son or the Holy Spirit. You can keep playing, Josh. <laughs> 
Sounded pretty good. So he was raised Unitarian, and when he was 17, he moved to Boston and took a job in his uncle's shoe store. And his uncle said, son, if you're going to work for me, you've got to go to church with me. And his uncle attended a Bible-believing church. And there, a man named Edward Kimball invited Deal Moody to join his Sunday school class. Small groups are important. So Deal Moody starts going to a small group. And he gives his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's really saved. I mean, he is saved big time. But D.L. Moody is not very articulate. He can't speak what's in his heart. He tried to join the church, and when he stood before the pastor and the examining committee, he couldn't share his faith. Couldn't share his faith at all. And so he was rejected as a member of that church. And yet, later in life, D.L. Moody would say this, the world is yet to see what God can do through a man who's fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. Dale Moody would go on and preach to hundreds of thousands of people in an age when you didn't have microphones. He was the Billy Graham of his day. He saw tens of thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. He was used of God in a spectacular way. And yet Billy Graham, Graham, Dale Moody could hardly read. In fact, the story goes, and you can read it in John Pollock's biography of Moody. The story goes that that Moody would read a scripture and he'd come to a word he didn't understand. And so he would stop and he'd talk about the few things he did understand. And when he started again, he'd start on the other side of that word. He had a lot of fears had a lot of anxieties there are a lot of things that could have held him back but he says god you can use me i'll be that man if you go to chicago illinois today you'll find the great moody church a church of several thousand people going strong today you'll find moody bible institute you'll find the moody broadcasting system which literally is broadcasting the gospel around the world on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of radio stations You'll find missionaries and you'll find all kind of ministries, but it's because one man said, God, I'm not going to allow fear to hold me back. I'm not going to allow fear and anxiety and worry to define my life. I'm going to believe you. I want you to stand to your feet all over this house. Stand to your feet all over this house. If you would say, Lord, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman that's fully consecrated to you. God, I believe that you can use me. What does it mean to be fully consecrated to God? It means you're saying, Jesus, I want you to take me, all of me. And I want you to be the complete Lord of my life. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. Lord, I want all of you and I want you to take all of me. If that's where you are today, if you'd say, Pastor Terrell, I want to live that holy, consecrated life unto the Lord. I want to give Jesus all of me because I want all of him. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you're standing and let's fill these altars. Lord, today I give all of myself to you because I want all of you. 
God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be who you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do, Lord Jesus. I give myself 100% to you, Holy Spirit. 100% I give myself to you. Come on, don't, don't, don't just stand there. Come on and join us. Come and be a part of this. Come on, everybody that will. Lord, today I give myself to you without reservation, without holding back, Lord God. I want to go on the great adventure with you. Oh, Jesus, I give myself to you today, Lord. I give myself to you today, Lord. Okay, Brother Josh, go ahead. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.